Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, Lauren Balogun. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Matchday Programme. Arsenal versus Everton, Sunday, 22nd of May, 2022. Kickoff, 4 p.m. The contents around Arsenal. Official voice, sustainability. Player feature, Gabriel Martinelli. History, community voice. Academy, young gun. Around the academy. Visitors, Everton. Arsenal women. Match Action, Arsenal versus Leeds United. Match Action, Tottenham Hotspur versus Arsenal. Match Action, Newcastle United versus Arsenal. And Teams. Around Arsenal, Arsenal gives a little back to North London. The players will be wearing our new home kit today and you can help local causes if you buy it before next season. The team will be playing in the new 2022-23 kit this afternoon, as modelled by Bukeo Saka on the cover of the programme. We are proud to reveal that £5 from every new home shirt bought directly through us ahead of the new season, May 19th to August 5th inclusive, is going to the Arsenal Foundation to support local community initiatives. We have a long proud history of working together with our local community and Arsenal in the community has used the power of the Arsenal name to positively impact the lives of people in our local areas since 1985. Throughout this season and as featured extensively in the Matchday programme, we have introduced our Arsenal Supporting Supporters campaign in recognition of how local businesses were hit following the Covid lockdowns and the reduction of fans on matchdays. Now, we are delighted to build on what we've achieved together to ensure we're continuing to support the places and faces that make Arsenal what we are. In celebration of the people and places that make our community and to mark the unveiling of our new kit, a number of our players visited some of the local projects that have benefited from the donations from the Arsenal Foundation. These included Finsbury Park Bowls Club, Islington Boxing Club, Tufnell Park Primary School, Maha Devi Yoga Centre, 
New North Academy Fencing Club and North London United. Our new kit. The home shirt being sported by the players today features a striking new collar with a lightning bolt design. The shirt in iconic Arsenal red will be paired with white shorts while the red socks will have a white lightning bolt running horizontally across them. The new kit is available to buy now. Remember to buy from the Armoury or Arsenal Direct to give a little back to North London. Our new number 11. If you are buying the new Arsenal shirt today and have chosen to have Gabriel Martinelli's name on the back, then you will notice that he's got a new squad number. Our Brazilian forward has changed from number 35 to number 11 from the start of next season. Sharpening their skills. Footballers have a range of talents, and as featured here, Emile Smith-Rowe and Lottie Wuben-Moy took time out to practice their ball skills with children at Tufnell Park Primary School. But strikers Stina Blackstenius and Viviana Medima went for something completely different at New North Academy Fencing Club, as if they aren't sharp enough in front of goal. Supporting all ages. We are proud of the fact that Arsenal in the community supports local people of all ages. While Bukeo was off playing bowls, Arsenal defender Leah Williamson was getting in the ring with local youngsters at Islington Boxing Club and Granit Xhaka was enjoying some playing time at the Arsenal Hub with North London United, a football club for young people with Down syndrome. William Wins Award Congratulations to William Saliba, who has been named UNFP Liga 1 Young Player of the Year. The France international joined Marseille on loan at the start of 2021-22, and consistently excellent displays have seen him feature in 36 games this season, helping his side, who are currently third in the table, keep 14 clean sheets. Across all competitions, Saliba has made 51 appearances, keeping 20 clean sheets, and has been named Marseille's Player of the Month on three separate occasions. He was also rewarded with his senior debut for the France national team back in March at just 21 years of age. Who's the ref? We don't know. Because of the fixtures taking place on Thursday night, the Premier League didn't allocate match officials to games until Friday, after the programme had gone to print. Three of the league's most experienced men in the middle, Martin Atkinson, John Moss and Mike Dean, all referee their final games this afternoon. If Martin, John or Mike are on duty at Emirates today, please give them a warm send-off. Squad Games We welcomed 100-plus junior gunners to Emirates Stadium this week to try out for the next season's Arsenal Ball Squad. Trialists were tested on their throwing, catching, hand-eye coordination and attitude to teamwork. With 20 being selected, who will assist the Arsenal players at every home match in the 2022-23 season? This opportunity is available every season, exclusively to junior gunners aged 12 to 16. If you'd like to find out more and register interest for your JG, visit arsenal.com forward slash membership. Congratulations, Bukeo and Aaron. Congratulations to Aaron Ramsdale and Bukeo Saka, who were both nominated for the Premier League Young Player of the Season Award, which was announced yesterday. Our two England internationals have had stellar campaigns at opposite ends of the pitch, both playing crucial roles throughout the season. Since his summer arrival from Sheffield United, 
23-year-old Aaron has emerged as a key figure both on and off the pitch, demonstrating true leadership qualities to go with his 12 clean sheets in 36 Premier League matches. In a season of brilliant performances, one of our goalkeeper's standout moments came away to Leicester City in October, where he produced a fantastic save to keep out James Madison's free kick. Bukea has been an ever-present in our Premier League campaign, featuring in all 36 matches so far, scoring 11 goals and claiming 6 assists. The 20-year-old forward's highlights of the season include his Boxing Day brace against Norwich City, a brilliant first-time finish away to Watford, and crucial penalties against Chelsea and Manchester United. Bukea was also nominated for the Premier League Player of the Season Award, which was also announced yesterday. Worth a visit. The Design Museum in Kensington currently hosts a fantastic football exhibition, the first major exhibition on the design of the world's most popular sport. The exhibition features over 500 historical objects, telling the stories of everything from club legacies and team badges to the world's most significant stadiums and innovative kit used to perfect performance. And of course it has many items linked to the Gunners, including historic images, kits, programmes, fanzines, stadium plans, match balls, even scrapbooks. The exhibition runs until August 29th. Make sure you find time in your summer to pay it a visit. Today's events. Look out for the 10-piece Dat Brass, who will be playing Arsenal tunes in and around the stadium pre-match, culminating in a performance on Armoury Square. And when you get into the stadium, make sure you sing along pre-match to Louis Dunford's The Angel, North London Forever, which has already become a firm fan favourite. Look out for lots of flags and crowd surfers in the stadium today too. Thanks, Red Action. And make sure you give our newly signed Academy Under 8s a warm round of applause at half-time. Also, look out for the Arsenal Cannon on the big screens today which remembers those supporters who we have sadly lost during the course of 2021-22. After the match today, the players will come back out onto the pitch for a period of appreciation, when supporters can show their support for the team, but equally the squad can thank you for your magnificent support for the team at Emirates and beyond this season. Thank you. Special Charity Match on May 29th The Arsenal Charity Team featuring former stars such as Nigel Winterburn, Luis Boamorte and Ian Selly, will take on Team Harvey, captained by former AFC Wimbledon footballer Michael Harvey and member of UK Garage Collective So Solid Crew, on May 29th in aid of the Kean Prince Foundation. The game commemorates the 16th anniversary of Kean Prince's untimely death and will also feature the likes of Danny Simpson, Nedum Unar, Clinton Morrison and Marlon Harewood. The Kean Prince Foundation seeks to heal and empower young people by applying and building their character to drive their success. The game takes place at Beaconsfield Town FC and kicks off at 3pm. See you there. Fond farewells. We are saying goodbye to a number of staff as this season draws to a close. A very special thank you to Anne Deegan one of our longest-serving members of staff, who has worked in the box office for more than 30 years, having joined the club in April 1991, just as we were about to win the league title. Anne has been a truly wonderful colleague to so many people at Highbury, then Emirates. 
prior to joining Arsenal and was also an important member of Vic Acker's Arsenal Ladies Squad and took her passion for playing the game into her role working for the club. She will be hugely missed. Speaking of Vic, it's also an end of an era today as his son Paul Ackers finishes in his role as first team kit manager. You can hear from Paul on pages 44 to 45 of today's programme. Also based up in London Colney, we say goodbye to Shad Forsyth, our head of high performance, who has worked with the first team for eight years, ensuring our players were at the pinnacle of their performance levels. Also helping in that respect, we say goodbye to nutritionist Laura Andrews, who has been with us since 2020. An Arsenal ladies player who was part of our historic quadruple squad in 2007, Yvonne Tracy is also leaving the club after 17 years with Arsenal. After ending her playing career in 2014, with numerous honours to her name and over 40 caps for the Republic of Ireland, Yvonne retained her other job as a laundry and kit assistant. Yvonne's professionalism and humour will be missed greatly by everyone at London Colney. Emirates Cup returns. Arsenal can now confirm four matches in pre-season, with three on our tour of North America and one on home soil as the Emirates Cup returns. Arsenal vs Everton, Saturday, July 16th, M&T Bank Stadium, Baltimore, kick-off 7pm GMT. The Gunners will finish 2021-22 against Everton and start their pre-season against the Toffees too. The game, held at the home of the Baltimore Ravens, is known as the Charm City match due to the city's nickname. Orlando City vs Arsenal, Wednesday, July 20th, Exploria Stadium, Orlando. Kick-off to be confirmed. Arsenal vs Chelsea, Saturday, July 23rd, Camping World Stadium, Orlando. Kick-off to be confirmed. Mikel Arteta's team travelled to Florida this summer to take part in the Florida Cup against MLS side Orlando City and Chelsea. The West Londoners need no introduction, while Orlando have a notable striker who came up against the Gunners in his AC Milan days, Alexandre Peto. Ticket news for our games in the US is currently unavailable. Please stay close to Arsenal.com. Arsenal vs Sevilla. Saturday, July 30th, Emirates Stadium, kick-off 12.45pm. The Emirates Cup returns this summer after a three-year hiatus. Similar to 2019, this year's version will be a single-day competition with Arsenal taking on Sevilla at Emirates Stadium. This year, the women's Euros dictate the Arsenal women won't be part of our season curtain raiser in North London. But the match will provide a crucial part of Mikel Arteta's preparation for the Premier League starting the following weekend, as well as an excellent test on the pitch against the team currently in fourth in La Liga. The afternoon is sure to be a special one when the two clubs remember former star Jose Antonio Reyes. Ticket news for the fixture is as follows. Blocks 95 to 97 will not be available due to construction work taking place in these areas. Season ticket availability is subject to event requirements. Tickets will be available as follows. Platinum and gold season tickets. Platinum and gold members can now purchase their own season ticket seats, which will be reserved online and held until 12pm on Tuesday. 
After this time, you will be able to purchase tickets in all available booking periods subject to availability. Booking fees apply. If you are a gold member and you require a concession rate ticket but do not sit in the family enclosure area, you will need to call on 020-7619-5000 before the deadline set. Opening hours Monday to Friday, 9.30am to 5pm. Booking fees apply. Friends and Family Sale Tickets will go on Friends and Family Sale via the Ticket Fast Print at Home Facility at 10am on Wednesday, May 25th. This service allows season ticket holders and members to be able to purchase up to four seats per membership. Booking fees apply. General Sale Tickets will go on General Sale via the Ticket Fast Print at Home Facility at 10am on Monday, May 30th. This service allows supporters to be able to purchase up to six seats per booking. Booking fees apply. Please note, for the Platinum and Gold Season ticket booking period, membership cards will be activated for entry to the stadium. Season 2022-23 The Premier League fixtures for Season 2022-23 will be announced on Thursday, June 16th, with matches kicking off on the weekend of Saturday, August 6th. It's the 30th season of the Premier League, with Arsenal and Everton having featured in every season so far. It's actually our 103rd successive year in the top flight, starting way back in 1919-1920. Everton actually have the second longest run in the top division, having been present at the highest level since season 1954-55. Arsenal are guaranteed European football next season. The group stages of both the Europa League and the Champions League kick off in the week beginning Monday, September 5th. The draw for both competitions take place on Monday, August 1st. Arsenal, league champions, FA Cup winners, 1930-1936-1950-1971. 1979-1993-1992-2002-2003-2004-2015-2015-2017-2020 League Cup winners 1986-87-1992-93 Charity Stroke Community Shield winners 1930, European Cup winners, Cup winners, 1993 stroke 94, 
FA Youth Cup winners, 1996, 1971, 1988, 1994, 2000, 2001, 2009. Arsenal Football Club, 75 Drayton Park, London, N51BU. Telephone 0207 619 5000. Website www.arsenal.com. Email program at arsenal.co.uk. Twitter at AFC Program. Directors Lord Harris of Peckham, Stan Crunker, Josh Crunker, Tim Lewis. Secretary David Miles. Life President Ken Fryer, OBE. Chief Executive Officer Vinay Venkatesham. Technical Director Edu. Manager Mikel Arteta. Notice Board Totalizer £1,300. Thanks to everyone who has donated this season. Happy Birthday, Dad. Ajmal. May you be gifted with life's biggest joys and never ending blessings. From Abdul, Mohammed, Hamza, Tayab, Hawa, and Mum. Happy 16th birthday, Matthew Williams. Love Daddy, Abby, Alex, Macaulay, and Esme. Happy 40th. Chris Curtin, from all your mates in the North Bank. Happy 13th birthday to North Bank season ticket holder Benjamin Smith, with love mum, dad and Olivia, XXX. Happy birthday, Freddie Brindle, from mum, dad and Frank, up the Gunners. Cormac McGee, welcome on your first visit to Emirates Stadium with daddy, Paul. Congratulations, Amy and Alex, on the birth of your daughter, Evie, another member of the Arsenal family. Good luck with your GCSE exams, Kane. We're so proud of you. Enjoy today's match. Love Mum, Grandad, Troy, Auntie Corin, and Carol, XXX. Happy 46th birthday, Uncle Luthor. Love from El Lunchicho and family. Congratulations on your engagement, Callum and Hannah. Love Zach, Luthor, and Butler. Happy 50th birthday, Andy Stroke Daddy. Hope you enjoy your day and the match. Love you always, Julie, Thomas and William, XXX. Happy 16th birthday, Harrison, and hi to little bro, GK Bruce. Good luck to the team today, Dad, XXX. Happy 50th birthday, Kieran McLaughlin, from Donegal, Ireland, here with his wife, Magella, sons Noah, Fionn and Lee, and daughter, Sarah Jane. Welcome to the Arsenal world, Albert Albi Ellis Daniel, a fifth-generation gunner, born May 1st, 2022. Happy birthday, Daniel Goldfinch. Have a great day. Come on, you gunners. Luke O'Flaherty from Cork. Enjoy your first match at Emirates. Love Mum, Dad, Lily and Mia. Get well soon, Super Steve Nickel. We love you so much and cannot wait until we can see you back at Arsenal. Happy 50th birthday, Guna Jules, a.k.a. Julie Baker. All the best for your milestone birthday and thanks for your support over the years. Happy 50th birthday, Tanya Llewellyn, Saka's biggest fan. Love, Lisa, XXX. Happy 30th birthday, Zach Day. Happy birthday, Boise. Love, Mum. Happy birthday, Samuel Gurdon. Hope you have a top day, mate. Come on, you Gooners. 
the notice board raised £1,300 for the Arsenal Foundation this season, thanks to the generous supporters who donated. Arsenal remembers Mehul Bhatt, sadly passed away aged 39 after a long battle with MS on May 6, 2022. Mehul absolutely loved the club and even when losing the use of his speech just wanted his family by his bedside to talk to him about Arsenal. R.I.P. Mahul. George Fox, aged 13, from Bedfordshire, sadly passed away April 12, 2022, from an aggressive brain tumour. Parents Louise and Matthew Fox said, Always smiling, always happy, a real cheeky chap who touched hearts wherever he went. George is the best son, big brother, little brother, grandson, nephew, cousin and friend. We had just 13 years and 5 months of George, but we all agree we would rather have that time than not have George at all. We'll keep his name alive to fight the battle against brain tumours. George's funeral took place on April 26th, where mourners wore a touch of red to commemorate his love of Arsenal. Kevin Michael Norbury passed away from cancer aged 62, surrounded by his wife of 31 years and their three children. A lifelong Arsenal fan, he will be deeply missed by all who knew him. Karen Cheevitz recently departed very sadly and unexpectedly. Arsenal through and through, Karen was much loved and will be greatly missed. Ryan Andrews, we are sad to announce the passing of Ryan, who will be sadly missed by Mum Kelly, Dad Kieran, Sister Lauren, Brother Liam and all family and friends who loved and knew him. John Harold sadly passed away on April 27, 2022. A lifelong fan who will be sadly missed by wife Barbara, son Michael, daughter Debbie and all family and friends. Peter Patrick Doherty passed away aged 78 following long illnesses. A loyal supporter since the 1950s following his beloved Arsenal home away and abroad. Missed by Avril, Natalie, Carolyn, Paul, Matt, Jack, Max, Bobby and Bertie. Dave Aldu Servicius left us suddenly on April 29th, 2022. Loving father of Harvey and lifelong Arsenal fan. He will be missed greatly by mum Sandra, brothers Craig and Darren and wife Sharon. Rest in peace, Dave. You will never be forgotten and will live on in our hearts always. Reg Reeve passed April 6th, 2022, aged 86. A season ticket holder from 1958 until last year, and a gateman for many years at Highbury. His family will always be grateful to him for making them all Arsenal supporters. Dingani Tino Mopoko, a formidable person who, despite battling numerous health issues, led the fullest life. He is survived by his wife and two children and will be sorely missed. Mohamed Akunji, a leading GP in Haringey, who died last month. Arsenal Football Club sends its deepest condolences to his family and are glad to have his brother Nazmul in the crowd today. Eddie Prevost, a lifelong gooner. Eddie's first game was a 1-1 draw at Blackpool in 1966 and he would have been at the stadium today. He will be dearly missed. John Ralph, a much-loved father, grandfather and friend who loved football, especially Arsenal, who also put lots of work into grassroots football. He will be missed, gone but never forgotten. Mark Lewis, passed April 16th, 2022, age 59. 
a dear friend and fellow season ticket holder. You'll be sorely missed but never forgotten. Rest in peace, Peter and Paul. Tyrese Polendine. Reese was talented, kind, caring and funny. All this and so much more. Rest in peace, baby brother. You will forever be in our heart. Flag in pole position. This season, as our way of saying thank you for your incredible support, we launched our new North Bank fan flag, featuring the names of over 10,000 Arsenal members from around the world who chose to have their names stitched into the fabric of the club. Making its debut in our home Premier League match against Brighton in April, the flag has made appearances at every home game since, and everyone at the club hopes you have enjoyed the spectacle of seeing the flag unveiled. We also hope those that contributed to unfurling the flag were proud to be part of generating an enthralling atmosphere at Emirates Stadium and look forward to continuing this next season where unveiling the flag will become a permanent match day ritual. At our final home game of the season, we remember Arsenal supporters who passed away during 2021-22. As is tradition, the names of those who left us have been combined to form the Arsenal Cannon, which features here in the matchday programme and on the big screens today. Arsenal Football Club would like to offer sincere condolences to all the friends and families of those who feature on our Cannon. We were proud to call them Arsenal fans. Official voice, Josh Kroenke. Every issue, we've heard exclusively from significant figures at the club on our official voice pages of the programme. To finish the season, we feature Josh Kroenke on behalf of our owners, the Kroenke family. Looking back over this season, the first group of people I want to talk about is you, our fans. What you've done this season is unite behind the team. Unity is a key word around the club. You'll hear Mikel use it frequently, and there has been unity from our supporters to our players, unity within our coaches, and unity amongst everyone across the club. It's a big positive that's only going to help us in the future. In particular, it's been fantastic to see you get behind our young squad in such a positive manner. It's very important and makes us happy to have you behind us in this way and see that you're excited for a bright future. It feels like there's a young, fiercely loyal group of fans coming through, alongside those who've been with us for many seasons. We're a club that has an amazing history, and you can hang your hat on that. And also, we can build our club on that. But some of our younger supporters weren't around for the amazing glory years, which is what we're chasing today, with the help of all of you. We have to honour past successes. Respect the achievements, remember great players, coaches and decision makers who put the club in a position to succeed, but also carve out our own niche with the great institution that is Arsenal Football Club. All of you are going to help us do just that. On the pitch, there have been experiences this season, positive and negative, that this team has gone through for the first time that will serve them very well going forward. The team will learn and develop because we know we have the right culture at the club. From a coaching standpoint, Mikel studies and works as hard as anyone in the game, so I think that was always going to be there. But we've also worked on how we build on and respect Arsenal traditions, while carving out the future. It's been a very exciting and fulfilling thing for me to see this season. That foundation of culture is really being laid, 
from a young player's standpoint, but also from other players around the dressing room, like Granit Xhaka and Alex Lacazette, for example, who've seen different things during their careers and have provided huge support to such a young group, which speaks volumes about them. The senior players understand there will be bumps in the road and be patient as teammates learn on the job. I think the senior players and the coaching staff have struck a fine balance this season and that's how we made strong progress on the pitch. As a club, we need to make sure we are buying well. Players who can elevate us in terms of quality, but also players who are right from the perspective of culture and mentality. And I think that showed on a number of occasions this season. When our backs were against the wall, with results and injuries, we responded well. Yes, we're in a tough position right now after the last few matches in terms of qualifying for the Champions League. But I think the lessons learned along the way will serve us very well going into the future. Sometimes, feeling a level of frustration is the best motivation you can have. In those tough moments, when we've had opportunities as a squad, as a staff, as a club, to fracture slightly, I think with this group and the mental fortitude that we have now, we all came closer together. Like the three defeats to start the season. I think those moments brought us closer together across the whole club, and I think that's what served us well. We have a group of people that are very tightly knit and are passionate about Arsenal Football Club getting to the top of the European game, and I think they have the work ethic to go ahead and get it. There have been a lot of changes in our squad in the last few years, and I know the work still isn't done in terms of bringing more players in. We would have liked to have moved faster in certain areas, but there are some factors out of our control when you're on the back of a global pandemic, and I think internally we recognise that there's still much work to be done. On a recruitment standpoint, I'll always defer to Edu and Mikel, but I know they have a blueprint of the type of player and specific positions that we need to reinforce heading into the summer, so I'll defer to them and support them in every way that we can in their pursuit of elevating the quality of the squad and also ensuring that we have the right mentality of player coming in. We only want players who are passionate about Arsenal Football Club. Players arrive from other clubs, but are also elevated from our junior ranks, as is very obvious at Arsenal with Bukayo, Emil and Eddie, making such huge contributions this season. The academy has been a really bright spot that receives great focus at our club. When you have a lot of turnover in the squad like we had, you create opportunities for those young players, and credit to them, as they have really seized the opportunity. When young players taste a bite of the apple at first team level, they only want another bite, and I think that's a tribute to the players and the staff for their internal hunger. And for as much frustration they feel now, because I know they really want that Champions League opportunity, we're always going to keep trying to pursue it, and I think it's a very exciting thing for our supporters to know that that hunger resides in those young players. Earlier this month, we signed both Mikel Arteta and Jonas Eideval to new contracts. Firstly, making that announcement together was important for the club. Mikel has made great strides since he joined the club at the end of 2019, and again, I would point to the culture and foundations that he's helped lay in a short period at a very difficult time. We've regularly mentioned that no matter what happens in the coming years, I don't think anything can be as challenging as what the club has had to deal with in the past two and a half years. No one could see the challenges of a global pandemic, and I'm very encouraged by what everyone has done in unprecedented circumstances. As a club, we feel we're heading in the right direction. 
We know we're only as good as our last match, but when we look at larger trends, those trends are very much pointing in the right direction, and it was felt we needed to make sure that heading into the summer, specifically from a recruitment standpoint, every player that we were discussing coming into the club knew the direction and the people that they were going to be working with. As for Jonas, I have to start with the person who is just as impressive, if not more impressive, than the coach. Having had a chance to spend time with him and understand some of his philosophies as a person, I think that translates so well to him being a successful manager. I think as a club we've always seen the women's game as a priority. We've done that historically, and we want to make sure we continue to do that in the future too. And the future of the women's game is very bright. Jonas is leading us in a wonderful direction. We have some fantastic players, but I know there are also areas we can improve. It's an exciting time to be a fan of Arsenal women, who are at the vanguard of the growth of the game. We'll see them play more and more games at Emirates Stadium, and I don't think there's any substitute from an energy standpoint than when the players feel that crowd behind them at Emirates. It's a unique environment as far as I'm concerned, and to have Arsenal women play more games here is only going to benefit them and the club as a whole. Lastly, I signed off the piece I wrote for the first home game of the season, Victoria Concordia Crescet. And Victoria through harmony is actually a phrase that I've taken with me to other areas of my personal life and other areas of my business and sports teams. I think it's so powerful. It can have a lot of meanings. But for us this season, victory through harmony meant that behind the scenes we stayed unified. There's that word again. We stayed unified when there were times of immense pressure and heat. That's how you forge diamonds. And so, I think that moving forward, hopefully this club starts to see a few of those polished diamonds start to shine through because they've been forged in some very tough environments. On behalf of my father and I, thank you for your support. Josh Crunky, on behalf of the Crunky family. Sustainability. Red, white and green. Sustainability focus. Arsenal Football Club has a vision to lead the sporting community in a quest to a more sustainable future. And the Matchday programme took the lead in season 2021-22. Working with Carbon Link in Kenya, this season's issue offset the emissions generated during the programme production process and has created the Arsenal Forest in Africa. Carbon Link estimated we needed to plant 12,500 trees, each absorbing 20 kilograms of carbon dioxide, over the next 10 years. With your help, we have exceeded that target. During the course of the season, the Match Day programme has also sponsored small environmental projects around the club, as well as encouraging young fans and staff members to tell us about their green credentials. We also highlighted our printer's environmental efforts. In addition, each programme showcased significant club-wide projects being undertaken as part of our drive to greater sustainability. Bishop's Backing A final reminder of Arsenal's programme print partner, Bishop's Printers, commitments to the environment from their charter. Comply with environmental legislation. Identify harmful environmental effects that arise from the business and seek to reduce them. 
Reuse and recycle all materials where practical. Provide environmental training for staff and encourage them to apply good practice. Work and liaise with everyone who has an interest in our company and the environment. Customers, suppliers, staff and the environmental agencies. Discuss environmental issues at the highest management levels. Encourage suppliers and customers to adopt the best possible environmental practices. Powering Emirates Stadium Whirring away beneath the home of Arsenal Emirates Stadium are several rows of large white boxes. At a glance, they're unassuming, but in actual fact, they're game changers. Massive batteries with enough energy to power the entire stadium for a full 90 minutes. Installed in 2018 by Octopus Energy and Downing LLC, the groundbreaking Arsenal batteries can prevent as much carbon going into the atmosphere as would be emitted by 2,700 average homes over the course of a football match. This is the future of energy, and it is the only way society could one day be powered by 100% renewables, 100% of the time. Forest Report. How did we do? As the last home game of the year is here, let's look back and see what the Arsenal Forest Project in Kenya has achieved so far. 15,625 tropical neem seedlings planted, 12,500 funded by the club, and 3,125 by 55 amazing Arsenal supporters. Over the next decade, these fast-growing trees should altogether remove over 300 tonnes of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and turn it into valuable hardwood timber for the community of Boré. More than making up for the 180 tonnes of lumber that are milled to publish this programme over the season. 37 acres of deforested and degraded scrub has been cleared, fenced and protected. The project has supported 60 women with employment in the community tree nursery. 120 poor farmers have been supported with employment in the establishment of the plantation. Two full-time jobs have been created for the forest caretakers. Arsenal kit and ball supplied to the local village teams. Rue Hartwell from Carbon Link, who we have partnered with for this project, says, Everyone in Boré loves this project and they send a big end of season, a Sunday, to the fans and the club that together have made this life-changing support possible. Watch this space to see the Arsenal Forest develop next season. Grow Your Own Carbon Link has already achieved lots of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal Forest. Over 15,000 trees are now being planted. Thanks for getting involved. We want to expand our 12.5-acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees. 25 trees for £25. 50 for £50, 100 for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small, sustainable step in the right direction. 
and also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what an excellent gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Scan the QR code in this programme for more information on our project and details of how to be part of our forest. The power to make a change. A future focus on sustainability is guaranteed at Arsenal. As another season draws to a close, we hope you have enjoyed the stories about the work that your club has been working on to try to become a more sustainable business. We are definitely making progress, as you would have heard about, in several areas. But we know we need to do more, and we know we can all do more. So what does the future look like? We are working on numerous projects that will make your club more sustainable. We all want to reduce our impact and to ensure that the planet is damaged as little as possible. It is, after all, our home. We are having lots of really exciting conversations about how we can meet or even surpass our commitments that we made by signing up to the United Nations Sport for Climate Action. There has never been a more important time to ensure we are as efficient as possible with electricity and gas. We need to protect our water and help to encourage nature, but we need to do all of this while ensuring we have a safe stadium and also meet the needs of elite sport. Those of you who went to the Southampton away game will have noticed that we trialled a carbon-neutral travel option for fans using the club coaches. Our players travelled using a coach powered by biofuel as opposed to regular diesel. The players also used reusable water bottles. These were small changes, but over a season, it's the small changes that work and make a difference. The academy also undertook a groundbreaking, quite literally as it included tree planting, carbon-neutral tour with the under-16 squad. Another great opportunity to test what is possible to introduce into the 2022-23 season and beyond. There is plenty going on and plenty to be positive about. We will continue our sustainability work into next season and way beyond. And we would love to have you all along on our journey. Together we can make a difference. If you have an idea on how to make match days or any other aspect of Arsenal Football Club more sustainable, please email Mike Lloyd at mlloyd at arsenal.co.uk. Eco Gunners Over the course of the season, close to 30 junior gunners have let us know how they are thinking about the environment and being more sustainable, often encouraging their families too. We have had young supporters litter-picking, growing vegetables, sleeping in a tent in their garden to get closer to nature, building bug hotels, planting wild flowers, making Christmas decorations out of recycling, scootering, cycling or walking to school instead of getting a lift in a car, eating less meat, cutting out palm oil from their diet, putting up bird boxes, going on environmental protests upcycling clothing, growing vegetables, using vegan-friendly paints and glues, composting, and loads more. What young fans we have! 
A huge thanks to our friends at Octopus Energy for sending our young supporters giant cuddly octopuses for their efforts. If you are a young fan thinking about the environment, we'd still love to hear from you. Email juniorgunners at arsenal.co.uk now. Staff support. Thanks to all of the staff who have contributed to these pages, telling us how they have embraced sustainability. Here's a selection of the changes staff have made to their lives. Set recycling targets. Swapped cling film for beeswax wraps. Embraced reusable carrier bags. Moved to sustainable deodorants, shampoos and conditioners. Started cycling to work. Changed to eco-dental floss and earbuds. Grown their own veg. Installed a bidet shower. Moved to a veggie diet. Only eaten locally sourced meat. Gone paperless in the office. Sent less emails to cut down on their digital footprint. And many more. We're proud of you. Player feature. Gabriel Martinelli. Fanzone. Arsenal players discuss the influence and inspiration provided by you, the fans. We were used to playing with 60,000 fans at the Emirates. I missed them a lot. The COVID-19 lockdown may feel an age ago now, but playing behind closed doors was a strange experience for Gabriel Martinelli, in part because, growing up in a football-obsessed nation such as Brazil, he was used to playing in front of huge crowds from a very young age. Life is playing out just like the football itself for Gabriel Martinelli in the sense that, as he does with the ball at his feet, he takes everything in his stride. Nothing seems to phase the Brazilian forward, to the extent that it's hard to believe he doesn't celebrate his 21st birthday until June 18th. The tradition of giving greetings cards adorned with enormous plastic keys is not as big in Brazil as it is here in England, but Martinelli won't lose any sleep over that because he has already unlocked plenty of defences during nearly three years with the Gunners, especially this season as he has become an important part of Mikel Arteta's forward line. As with many of his teammates, his energy and enthusiasm are infectious and they contribute to the sense of excitement that crackles around this young team. Yet, despite all of this, Gabriel is different to many other professional footballers in that he doesn't spend much of his time away from the stadium or training ground watching the game he loves to play. I don't watch much football at all, he says, when we sit down to talk about his experiences in the game and start off by asking about his viewing habits. I think when you play every day, for me, I don't want to get home and watch more football or play FIFA. I just want to relax and switch off. While some of his teammates will be settling down to watch La Liga, the Bundesliga, Serie A, or increasingly France's Liga, the profilation of football on television has passed this young man by. But there must be something on the Martinelli TV. When I do watch, I only watch big games, so the Champions League semi-final or final, or my team in Brazil. He adds after a pause for thought. Phew. You get the sense from listening to him that this young man is far more interested in his own game and his own progression than he is wishing he was Ronaldinho, Neymar or any of the Brazilian greats in whose footsteps he is on course to follow. When discussion turns to the best game he has ever watched, there is another pause. I don't know, he says with complete honesty. 
Because I only watch big games, I guess they're all good games. These are the games he wants to be involved in. But of course, Gabby's story starts at home in Brazil, where he would watch with his father in the days before he was gracing stadiums in England and beyond with his pace and panache. The first time I went to a match was with my dad in Sao Paulo to see the team he supports, so we went to see Corinthians against Bahia, I think. Corinthians won, and it was my first time, so it was amazing. There were so many people there, and I was excited. I think I was nine. It wasn't long before he was turning out himself for one of Brazil's biggest clubs, the seven-time champions, fourth on the all-time list of national champions, who won both the Copa Libertadores and the World Club Cup ten years ago. I played for Corinthians, and it's a big, big club, he says. Even if you play for the under-nines, there are a lot of people there. This was normal for me because from when I started, from the age of six, seven, when you go to the finals, they're held in one place. All the teams go there, so there is a lot of people there. You don't see a gap in the stands. It's full. That's something the young player would get used to very quickly, and it's not something that intimidated him on his arrival in England in the summer of 2019. The Emirates is my favourite stadium, 100%, he says. As for an away ground, I think Stamford Bridge. There's good reason for that, thanks to an inspired performance and a very special goal against Chelsea during a 2-2 draw in January 2020. The hosts were leading 1-0 when Martinelli collected a clearance from a Chelsea corner and ran the entire length of the pitch before slotting the ball past Kepa Arizabagala. That game was the best atmosphere I remember playing in so far. They had this machine in the middle of the pitch that was shooting fire, and that was the first time I'd ever seen that. It was amazing and the fact that I scored made it a really good night for me. That goal, 67 yards, 13 seconds, one ice-cold finish, would go on to win Arsenal's Goal of the Season award, but just over two months later, the growing threat of COVID-19 would enforce a lockdown that interrupted the season and ensured that, when football restarted in June, players would have to get used to the very new experience of playing behind closed doors in empty stadiums. To me it was strange because we're used to playing with 60,000 fans at the Emirates, Gabby reflected. I miss them a lot, but it was easier to play away because there were no fans there either. Still, the downsides outweighed any potential benefits, from neutralising away games to being able to hear the opposition manager's instructions. I really hope we don't need to play without fans again, he adds. We need to do our job to go and win the game, but it's not the same. One of the highlights of Martinelli's career also came behind closed doors when he was part of the Brazil squad that won a gold medal at the delayed Olympic Games in Japan last summer. The match in which Brazil beat Spain 2-1 after extra time took place in a stadium with a capacity of more than 72,000 but with an official attendance of zero. It was special to be part of that journey, Gabby says now. It's always an honour to play for Brazil. It's my country, my people and I always want to be there fighting for my country. There were no fans at the Olympics, though, and of course it's so much better now that we have fans there to support us, both Brazil and Arsenal. Sometimes, in a game, when you're not playing well, you can expect the fans to lift you up, you know, he adds. With the fans at the Emirates, we have one more player on the pitch. They are with us all the time. A more emotional moment, perhaps, was the 20-year-old senior debut for the Selecao, which came 14 minutes from time in a World Cup qualifier against Chile at the legendary Maracanã Stadium in Rio this March. 
with Martinelli replacing Real Madrid's Vinicius Jr. in a 4-0 win. That was amazing. The atmosphere was fantastic. I loved it and I want to be there again, says Gabby. It was a dream come true because making your debut for Brazil in that stadium, you think, I've got there, I've done it. Getting that cap was a special moment, not just for me, but for my whole family. They always dreamed that dream with me. This may explain in part why he doesn't feel the need to put football on the television now, because the dream goes back to his earliest days and is about the joy of playing rather than watching football. I used to play on the streets with my friends, and I still do when I go back to Brazil. We had a lot of good players at the time. My friends are pretty good. Now they are among the people who come to watch me play. When they are here in England, my mum, my dad and my friends will be at the Emirates. It's not the same people here all the time, but I always try to bring my whole family when I can. His favourite stadium has given Gabby an insight into the infectious passion that English fans have for the game, which strikes a chord with someone from a country where football is close to being a religion. I think you can see that fans here love their sport and that they are there supporting you and giving you energy because they love the club and as players we love the club too. We give everything on the pitch to win the game, not just for ourselves and our families, but for the fans, because they deserve it. He isn't someone who shies away from meeting supporters either, even if there is one who likes to get a little too close. Always when I come out of the stadium it's nice, because they're shouting Gabby, Gabby, and all the time there is one boy who jumps at my car, he says. I actually get so worried because if I hit him it's my fault. But every time he jumps in front of the car, so I watch out for him. He is always there. Fans often want to take a picture with you or take a video, Gabby adds. Sometimes it's hard because they want me to make a video for the teams they play for and it's so hard to pronounce the names. My English has improved a lot, but... He may trail off, but he has no need to and his grasp of the language also highlights a maturity beyond his years. Nuno Tavares, for example, has credited Martinelli with helping him to settle in at Arsenal. I think I was the first player he met at the club, Gabby recalls. When I came back from the Olympics, we trained together, and I could tell straight away that he was a good person. He says I helped him with his English, but when I came here, my English was terrible and his was perfect. We both speak Portuguese, and I think when you come here, it's a shock, but you get used to it. There's no question that this softly spoken young man, whose English is much better than he gives himself credit for, prefers to do his talking on the pitch, and he is happy with the progress he and the team have been making in recent months. I do think this season has been very good for me, he says. You know that when I got injured, it was a tough time for me, but now I'm fully recovered and I hope we reach the top four. I think this young squad is good because we have the same mentality and we are humble. The experienced players like Granite, Cedric and Laka help us a lot and we just need to keep going. And I think Bukayo has been the best player in the Premier League this season. He has scored a lot of goals and made a lot of assists, so for me he has been the best. Modest is another word that springs to mind, with Gabby quick to praise the fans and his teammates over his own performances and impact on the pitch. Let's finish with a few quick-fire questions. Do you play or watch any other sports? Gabby thinks for a moment. No, never. Is there a sporting event you'd like to go to? Again, Gabby thinks for a moment. A lot of footballers like American sports, so perhaps one of those? The Super Bowl, maybe, he says. That would be great. 
What was the last sporting event you went to to watch live? Gabby thinks for a moment. He thinks for a moment because he cannot answer because he can't think of one. The simple fact is there is only one sport and only one thing Gabby wants to do: play football. Fact file: Gabriel Martinelli, forward, Brazil, born Guarulhos, Brazil, June eighteenth, two thousand and one. Joined July twenty nineteen. Previous club: Ituano. Debut versus Newcastle United away Premier League August eleventh, twenty nineteen. One one nil. First goal versus Nottingham Forest at home. League Cup September twenty fourth, twenty nineteen. One five nil. Brazil caps two. Behind the headline. Arsenal crowned champions. The Guardian, May the fourth, nineteen ninety eight. Arsenal historian John Sperling reveals the story behind an eye catching newspaper headline. Sometimes the simplest statements are the best, and David Lacey's headline in the Guardian confirmed that Arsene Wenger's Arsenal had completed the first half of what was to be a then historic second double, with a four nil victory at Highbury against Everton. The erudite Lacey, a fixture in press boxes around the football world for over half a century, wrote, "In the end, Arsenal passed the winning post without either breaking their stride or using the whip." Many Arsenal fans, at least those present in N5 on May the third, nineteen ninety-eight, agree that events that afternoon came pretty close to perfection. The four-nil romp against Howard Kendall's relegation-haunted side was, in Liberian striker Christopher Razaprinian, a beautiful match, a beautiful team performance, on a beautiful day, with the growing realization that Arsenal were becoming a beautiful team. Arsenal had slipped effortlessly into the groove in the spring, with newcomers Nicholas Anelka and Emmanuel Pettit developing into polished Premiership performers. A victory at Old Trafford, the club's first since the 1990 to 91 season when they won the title, with a goal scored by Mark Overmars, instilled the belief that the title could be wrenched away from Old Trafford. Emmanuel Pettit recalled, "When I joined the club, I thought it might take a while for the team to gel. There were so many new faces, and for a while it took some time for myself, Patrick Vieira, and Mark Overmars to get up to speed." But by March, we were motoring along really well. Four days before the Everton game, it was the pony-tailed Frenchman who whacked home the winner against Derby on the Wednesday night to put Arsenal on the brink of their first Premiership title, and needing three points from their remaining three games. At a conservative estimate, you'd have had to have been around fifty-eight years of age to recall the last time that Arsenal secured the league title in front of their own supporters at Highbury, when the Gunners beat Burnley to win the old First Division trophy in nineteen fifty-three, and Arsenal, forty-five years later, having won nine league games on the trot, were in no mood to wait. David Lacey later wrote, "Coronation should never be postponed. That only invites a coup." Ray, who'd been drafted into the side and contributed some vital winning goals against Wolves in the FA Cup semi-final and Bolton Wanderers and Wimbledon away, recalled the atmosphere prior to the game in the dressing room. Arsene Wenger talked about the fact that we are on the threshold of a great achievement 
and how wonderful it would be if we could win the title at Highbury. He was extremely calm, as ever, and urged us to go out and play our natural game, to relax. Tony Adams summed up the Arsenal spirit, fists clenched, calmly urging us on, continued the Liberian. What really convinced me that we could do it was the look in Tony's eyes. The hunger was there. It had been there from the minute those Manchester bookmakers paid out on United winning the title. There's nothing an Arsenal player relished more than proving doubters wrong. The French guys, Patrick and Manu, were very close and slapped hands before we ran out. Overmars quiet and brooding, collecting his thoughts. Ray Parler, always the life and soul of the dressing room, was cracking his jokes to lift the mood. And then me, just a young guy who'd forced his way into the side, played quite well, and who was grateful to have this chance to win a title. Then it was time to go. It's when the studs rattle on the floor that the adrenaline really starts to pump. We walked out, the crowd roared, all the fans seemed to be waving flags, is like a carnival. As the game got underway, it was clear that Arsenal weren't about to freeze on the big occasion. Within ten minutes, Ray lobbed in a great cross which Parler got his head to, only for Everton keeper Thomas Meyer to scramble it away. But by half-time, Arsenal were cruising, with Slaven Bilic heading into his own net, and Overmars shot squirming under Meyer to put the Gunners 2-0 up. Wenger remained cool. The second half was a montage of memorable Arsenal moments. Overmars tore through Everton's backline and slid in a third. Ian Wright came on as a sub for his final outing at Highbury as an Arsenal player, with the crowd in ferment. The crowning moment came with skipper Adam Skull after he was put through by Steve Bould. The crowd chanted, We shall not be moved. When the referee blew his whistle, there was a fantastic release. Pettit recalled, I remember Tony lifting the trophy as the sun reflected off it, and the crowd saluting us. It was an awesome experience, almost spiritual. A week later, Arsenal won the FA Cup final at Wembley to clinch the double, thanks to goals from Overmars and Anelka. By July, the French midfield duo Petit and Vieira combined for the former to score the third in France's 3-0 victory over Brazil in the World Cup final. Arsenal win the World Cup, boomed the Daily Mirror headline. With all that had happened at Highbury that season, it certainly felt like it. David Lacey would watch many more Arsenal matches over the coming years, but for him, the Everton game on May Bank Holiday weekend in 1998 was always the prime Wenger match. Writing about Arsenal's Arsenal was easy that day, and it remained so, because the sheer quality of their play was an art form in itself. It inspired me to reach for the superlatives, said Lacey, who died last year, aged 83. Over the next few years, Gunners fans were treated to more stellar moments at Highbury, but the Everton match was perhaps the most significant, because it proved to be the starting block for all the silverware that came Arsenal's way over the next seven years. The year 1998 in football. Premiership winners, Arsenal, 1997-98. FA Cup winners, Arsenal. League Cup winners, Chelsea. Top scorers, Michael Owen, Liverpool. Leon Dublin, Coventry City. Chris Sutton, Blackburn Rovers. All 18 goals. The game, 
Premier League, May the 3rd, 1998, Arsenal 4, Billich own goal 6, Evermars 28th and 57th minutes, Adams 89th minute, Everton 0. Arsenal, Seaman, Dixon, Adams, Keown, Winterburn, Parler, Vieira, Pettit, substituted by Platt in the 44th minute, Evermars, Ray, substituted by Bould in the 80th minute, and Elka, substituted by Wright in the 72nd minute. Subs not used, Manninger, Grimandi. Also in 1998, Victoria Beckham, singer in Spice Girls and fashion designer, gets engaged to football player David Beckham. At Gateshead, Tyne and Weir, England, the large-scale steel sculpture by Anthony Gormley, the Angel of the North, is installed. The film Titanic becomes the first film to gross one billion US dollars. Rapper Eminem, then unknown, is signed by Dr. Dre's Aftermath Entertainment Company. American singer Frank Sinatra passes away at the age of 82. The last episode of Seinfeld airs. The European Court of Human Rights is established. 75% of people vote in favour of the Good Friday Agreement in a referendum in Northern Ireland. In Northern Ireland, the Omar bombing results in the deaths of 29 people and injures around 220. This was the worst terrorist event of the Troubles. The first ever episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire debuts on ITV with Chris Tarrant as the host. Community Voice Arsenal in the Community engages more than 5,000 participants every week. Each issue we hear about one of our projects from their perspective. Tahara is 15 and from Hackney. She's been enjoying the girls' sessions of the Premier League's flagship Kicks programme. I first heard about the session through a friend at school. She was attending with another friend and said I should come along. I hadn't heard about other Arsenal in the community projects at the time, but it was something that I decided I wanted to do. I like football, and I wanted to improve and learn more, so I always wanted to attend. The first time I went, it felt like a safe environment going into the Arsenal hub. All the girls there were friendly and welcoming to me, the new girl. I felt it was a place I wanted to be. Recently, I enjoyed going to the Kicks 15th anniversary event and played football representing Arsenal. I've also enjoyed and felt really grateful for the kit we've got this year. I like to wear it when I'm training. I also enjoyed going back to the Arsenal hub to take part in the Changemakers project, where I was part of the leadership group. We organised our own tournament this year at Market Road and I got to help referee and provide support with the workshops. I've made some good friendships from being part of the project. They're people I will train or practice with outside of the session. I know I can call on them and we can hang out. The person who's known me the longest and helped me is head coach Bex. She's helped me get better and seen me improve into the player I am now. More recently, there are coaches Abby and Ashley who've helped me technically, pushing me and challenging me to get better. I've learnt a lot from these two. They challenge my playing skills and understanding of the game. Then there's Osrio. She's someone I can talk to, someone who's just there to support me, and I can go to her for help. Going to kicks has definitely helped me be more confident, a better footballer, more social and friendly. 
I'm able to help those around me more in the sessions, and they've helped my leadership skills. I'm able to encourage people so they can improve, and I now know how to be understanding and help those around me. My football skills, turns, kicks, shooting have really improved, and I didn't know I could come this far in my playing ability. Kicks is a space I can go if I want to play. I always feel welcomed and part of the group. It means a lot to me being part of Arsenal. I'm not going to lie, it really means a lot to me. Academy Young Gun Billy Vigar Interview by Aidan Small The Basics Name Billy Vigar Born Worthing October the 22nd 2003 Joined 22nd of December 2017 Height and weight 82 kilos 6 feet 2 inches Position Striker School Arsenal B-Tech and Business A-Level I want to tell you about the game that changed my life forever, but first, let's go back to where it all began, hanging out with my mates and playing out on the street. Back then, we didn't play to win or anything like that, it was just a bit of fun with a bunch of my neighbours and schoolmates, really. We would be out together at every chance we'd get, practising skills and doing shooting practice, but then we decided to start a team together at Storrington Vipers, and my dad became the manager. I used to love playing there. I've got so many good memories. I played with them from seven years old until I was 13, until one day I moved on to a team called Hove Rivervale FC. By that point I needed a step-up because I was scoring hat-tricks almost every week. I actually remember a few opposition players asking why I was there because they thought I played in a higher division. This new team was made up by ex-academy players and people like me who were overperforming at their Sunday clubs, and this is when my connection to Arsenal first started. For those who follow the Arsenal Academy, you might know about Charlie Gilmore. He's at St Johnston now, but back then he was at Arsenal, and his dad, a football coach, was about to become my manager. This is when the pieces for my Arsenal journey started falling into place. At the end of my first season with this new club, Charlie's dad arranged a friendly with Arsenal's academy, and this was probably the most important day of my life. I just didn't know it at the time. Going into the game, I didn't expect anything to come from it. I just thought it would be a nice experience and a chance to show my manager and teammates what I could do against some of the best young players in the country. It was a free hit for me. I had absolutely nothing to lose. We lost the game 6-0, and I remember making some really good runs, but as we were all packing up at the end of the game, Arsenal's coach came over and told me that I'd impressed them, and they'd like to invite me for a trial. I couldn't believe it. That's when I realised that football is something I needed to take seriously from then on. It changed the way I viewed the game and my entire thought process. It was no longer just a bit of fun and a kickabout. It was a chance for me to become the best version of myself and see how far I could go. But obviously, having fun is a massive part of it too. Otherwise, what's the point? It was such an exciting time in my life because I'd gone from playing Sunday League football to suddenly being in the position that every young footballer dreams about. That game and that day changed my life forever 
regardless of what happens throughout the rest of my career from here. I've been here at the club ever since, and I've loved every minute of it. There have been ups, like scoring 17 goals in my debut season at Hale End and being offered my first professional contract, but there have also been downs, like spending almost my entire first year as a scholar out injured. More specifically, it was a grade 4C hamstring tear, which is basically the worst you can get, and then, in pre-season last summer, once I'd finally recovered, someone landed on my ankle, and I was out injured again with ligament damage. But this has all been part of my journey. I've grown from it, I've learned from it, and I'm proud of where I am today. This season has been a huge one for me. Coming back from that injury that kept me out for the first ten matches of the season, I scored an equaliser in my first game back against West Ham, and I've started in pretty much every game since then. I feel like I've shown everyone what I can do, and now I'm fully focused on working hard over the summer to make the step up to the under-23s. I'm ready for 2022-22. to 22. Rate yourself out of 100. Pace, 100. Dribbling, 75. Passing, 70. Shooting, 85. Defending, 70. Physical, 95. Lowdown, earliest memory of football, kicking a ball in my local park with my dad. First footballer looked up to, Didier Drogba. Team supported as a child, Brighton. Biggest influence on my career, my family. Best goal I've scored, against Southampton. Proudest achievement in football, being offered a professional contract. Who I combine best with on the pitch, Matty Roberts. Best moment of my career so far, winning a tournament in Singapore. Most difficult moment of my career, long-term injury. If I had to change position, I'd play right wing. Another sport I'm good at, the long jump. About me. Favourite footballer of all time, Ronaldo. If I could be any footballer, past or present, I would be Ronaldo. If I could have a conversation with anyone in the world, I would choose Pep Guardiola. If I could speak to my younger self, I would say, believe in yourself. Favourite follow on Instagram, 433. Best football attribute, my pace. One thing I need on an away day, headphones. One thing I want to do in my football career, win the Champions League. If I wasn't a footballer, I'd be a pilot. The first team player I look up to most, Bukayo Saka. Player who shaped my game most, Romelu Lukaku. Best thing about being at Arsenal, the facilities. If I could recommend a TV series, Prison Break. Around the Academy, top scorer puts pen to paper. Keon Edwards has signed his first professional contract with the club. There has been much speculation over the future of our 18-year-old striker, but he put pen to paper at London Colney under the watchful eye of academy manager Per Mertesacker. I am very delighted to have signed my first professional contract, he said. I have worked hard for this moment. I have been feeling the love from the fans, but I have tried to keep my head down and keep working, and when that time will come, it will come, and that time is now. 
Edwards has certainly proved himself to be prolific at under-18s level, scoring 16 goals in as many games for Dan Mitch's side, as well as providing five assists this season. The youngster also marked his Premier League 2 debut with a goal in a 1-1 draw with West Ham in what would transpire to be just one of two appearances for Kevin Betts' side in the campaign. It has been a very important season for me. I've been with the under-18s and I feel like I've achieved what I've needed to achieve, he said. Now it's time to step up to the under-23s and prove what I've proved time and time again. The striker was sidelined through injury for the final few months of the season, and although he admits he found his spell out difficult, he was always determined to come back a better player. It has been very tough, he added. I've always told myself. I'm always going to be back on the pitch, better, fitter and stronger. For fans who might not have had a chance to watch Edwards in action yet, he claims he's built in the mould of a modern-day striker that can play a part in the build-up as well as find the back of the net. I'm a striker that can come into feet, but also go in behind and a striker that loves to score goals. Super sign-off at Spurs. Our under-18s finished the season in remarkable fashion, beating Tottenham Hotspur 5-0 in the North London derby away from home. James Sweet got us off to the perfect start on the road, opening the scoring after just two minutes, before Remy Mitchell got down low to save Jamie Donnelly's spot kick and preserve our early lead. Jack Henry Francis doubled our advantage after 25 minutes before turning provider for Mario Bandiera to fire home our third on the half-hour mark. Henry Francis completed his brace 10 minutes before the end, while substitute Ishmael Uland Mahand got in the act with a well-taken strike in stoppage time to make it 5-0. The win saw Dan Mitch's young charges finish their impressive under-18 Premier League campaign in fourth place. New deal for Tom. Tom Smith has signed a new contract with the club. Our 20-year-old goalkeeper put pen to paper for his first professional deal with us in December 2019. Since then, the academy graduate has gone on to make six appearances in the Premier League 2 for our under-23 squad. Tom has also gained value experience on loan spells at Salisbury FC, Dover Athletic and most recently with Welling United in the National League South. But the loan was cut short through injury. The journey begins. You may have read on our news pages in this issue that a very special group of young players are being welcomed onto the pitch today, our under-8s. The very first rung on the academy ladder are signing on for the academy at the game. Please make sure you give them a warm round of applause. Visitors, Everton. Formed 1878, nicknamed the Toffees, owner Fahad Mashouri, chairman Bill Kenwright, stadium Goodison Park. Honours, league champions nine times, FA Cup winners five times, Community Shield winners nine times, 1984-85 European Cup winners cup winners. Everton visit Emirates Stadium this afternoon with their Premier League fate potentially decided by Thursday's home game against Crystal Palace after this programme went to press. The Toffees had the opportunity to secure safety last Sunday when they faced Brentford at Goodison Park. 
But despite leading twice, they lost 3-2 and ended the game with just nine men following red cards for Jared Braithwaite and Salomon Rondon. That defeat came on a day when relegation rivals Burnley lost 1-0 at Tottenham and Leeds salvaged a 1-1 draw at home to Brighton with a late equaliser. That left the question of who would accompany Norwich and Watford down to the championship unresolved, at least for a few more days, with Burnley also playing on Thursday at home to Aston Villa. Whatever the final outcome, this has been a season of torment for Everton and their fans, with the danger of losing their top-flight status for the first time since the mid-1950s, a real and frightening prospect. Remarkably, the Merseysiders actually started the 2021-22 campaign in vibrant form, recharged by a welter of new signings plus new manager in Rafael Benitez, they won four of their opening six league matches. The honeymoon did not last long. After beating Newcastle 2-0 at home on September 25th, Everton had to wait until early December and the visit of Arsenal before claiming their next league win, Demarai Gray's late winner in a 2-1 victory, sending the Goodison faithful into raptures. But that was an isolated success, and with the Toffees coming repeatedly unstuck on the road, Relegation soon became a more likely prospect than European qualification. In mid-January, Benitez was dismissed and replaced by ex-Chelsea boss Frank Lampard, but Everton continued to struggle for Premier League points, a 3-2 defeat at Burnley in early April bringing their plight into even sharper focus. Hope was finally rekindled with huge 1-0 home wins against Manchester United and Chelsea, plus their first away win in the league since August when they won 2-1 at Leicester. But then came a 0-0 draw at Watford, that defeat by Brentford, and another few days of agitation and anxiety. The boss, Frank Lampard, manager, born June 20th, 1978, Romford, previously Derby 2018-19 and Chelsea 2019-21. Frank became Rafael Benitez's replacement as Everton manager in January this year, a year after his dismissal by Chelsea. A single season in charge of Derby County in the Championship in 2018-19 was enough to persuade Chelsea to bring the club legend back to Stamford Bridge as their manager. During a 13-year playing career in West London, the ex-West Ham midfielder played 648 games for the club, the fourth highest of all time and also became Chelsea's record scorer with 211 goals, despite playing every game in midfield. Frank also scored 29 goals in 106 appearances for England, representing his country at Euro 2004 and three World Cups. England's number one, Jordan Pickford, goalkeeper. Born Washington 7th of the 3rd, 94. Previously, Sunderland, Darlington Lone, Alfreton Lone, Burton Lone, Carlisle Lone, Hull Lone and Preston Lone. Jordan established himself as England's first choice goalkeeper at the 2018 World Cup and reaffirmed his place with a superb showing at Euro 2020 where he was arguably the Three Lions' outstanding individual performer. The charismatic 28-year-old joined Everton in 2017 following a £25 million move from relegated Sunderland and was in top form in the recent wins against Chelsea and Leicester. He is in line to make his 200th appearance for the Merseysiders this afternoon. The Maverick, Richarlison, forward. Born Nova Venetia, Brazil, 10th, 5th, 97. 
Previously, America Miniero, Fluminese and Watford. One of Everton's most prominent individuals over the past four seasons, since joining for £35 million plus from Watford, Richarlison scored his 10th goal of the 2021-22 season last weekend with a penalty against Brentford, reaching double figures for the fourth successive season. The capricious, all-action 25-year-old is a regular international for Brazil, for whom he has scored 13 goals, including six in qualifiers for the 2022 World Cup, and was a Copa America winner in 2019. The ex-gunner, Alex Iwobi, midfielder. Born Lagos, Nigeria, 3rd of the 5th, 96. Previously, Arsenal. Alex left Arsenal for Everton in 2019, signing a five-year deal with the Merseysiders. After struggling initially to make an impact at Goodison Park, he has recently become a fixture as the right wing-back in Frank Lampard's side, scoring a crucial late winner at home to Newcastle in mid-March. The Nigeria international, who was born in Lagos but brought up in Newham, joined the Gunners as a schoolboy and went on to make 149 first-team appearances for the club, including 100 in the Premier League. The skipper, Seamus Coleman, defender. Born Killybegs, Republic of Ireland, 11th of the 10th, 88. Previously, Sligo Rovers, Blackpool, Lone. An, Ever- an Everton player since January 2009, when he joined for just £60,000 from his local Irish club Sligo Rovers, right-back Seamus has been a loyal and productive servant to the club, racking up nearly 400 appearances for the Merseysiders, the vast bulk of them in the Premier League. It would have been more but for a potentially career-ending leg injury suffered while playing for the Republic of Ireland five years ago. Ireland's captain since 2016, he was given the Everton armband in August 2019. The Engine Room Abdoulaye Ducour, midfielder. Born Moulin-en-Yvelines, France, first of the first, 93. Previously, Rennes, Watford and Granada, loan. Abdoulaye became an Everton player at the beginning of last season when he joined for £20 million from Watford following the Hornets' relegation. When fit, the all-purpose central midfielder has been a first-11 mainstay under successive managers Carlo Ancelotti, Rafael Benitez and Frank Lampard. He scored in early-season home wins against Southampton and Norwich, and in March was capped at senior international level for the first time by Mali, having previously played at various age groups for his native France. The rising star, Anthony Gordon, forward. Born Runcorn, 24th of the 2nd, 01. Previously, Preston, loan. The emergence of local lad Anthony has been a light in the dark for Everton this season. The speedy 21-year-old has nailed down a regular starting berth in Frank Lampard's side, scoring his first Premier League goals in a 3-2 home defeat by Brighton in January and adding two more in home wins over Leeds 3-0 and Manchester United 1-0. He has represented England at various age group levels and scored twice on his under-21 debut last November. The Ukrainian, Vitaly Mykolenko, defender, born Jakasi, Ukraine, 29th of the 5th, 99. Previously, Dynamo Kiev. With his homeland under siege from invading Russian troops, Vitaly has been doing his bit to help from afar. The 22-year-old left-back has also been furthering his career in the Premier League with Everton, where he arrived from Dynamo Kiev in January, starting regularly in recent weeks and opening his scoring account for the club with a spectacular volley in the recent 2-1 win at Leicester. A Ukraine international with 21 caps, he represented his country at Euro 2020. The mercurial winger, 
Demerai Gray, forward. Born Birmingham, 28th of the 6th, 96. Previously, Birmingham, Leicester and Bayer Leverkusen. A teenage wonder kid with Birmingham City and a Premier League champion at the end of his first half season with Leicester, Demerai eventually fell out of favour under Brendan Rodgers at the King Power Stadium and two summers ago moved to German club Bayer Leverkusen. However, his Bundesliga stint proved brief as he returned to England to join Everton last July, making a promising start with three goals in his first four games and the late winner against Arsenal in December. Scouting Report Everton's last gasp 2-1 victory over Arsenal at Goodison Park in December appeared set to kickstart their campaign, but that proved to be Rafael Benitez's last victory before being dismissed. His replacement, Frank Lampard, has generally picked up victories through battling never-say-die performances. 1-0 wins over Newcastle, Manchester United and Chelsea were all somewhat expected, but Everton have become noticeably defensive in recent weeks. In their 2-0 loss at Anfield recently, they recorded just 18% of possession, hardly the type of football Everton supporters want, but the type of performance considered necessary as they battle against relegation. Lampard's defensive shift has also been reflected in his formation decisions. In the opening weeks of his tenure, he generally played a four-man defence, but has since switched to a five-man back line. This has largely prompted an improved defensive performance, aside from the 3-2 loss to Brentford last weekend. Everton were down to 10 men from an early stage. Jordan Pickford will probably play behind a three-man defence featuring Seamus Coleman, formerly an energetic overlapping fullback, now tucked inside on the right and playing a more reserved role. Mason Holgate should play to the left, but there's a question mark about the remaining spot. Michael Keane, Ben Godfrey and Yerry Mina have all missed out recently through injury and illness, and Jared Braithwaite was dismissed against Brentford. If Lampard is really down to the bare bones, he could revert to a back four. That would be a simple enough switch, because while left-wing Vitaly Mykolenko could drop back to left-back easily, right-wing-back Alex Iwobi would happily return to his usual wide midfield position. The former gunner has impressed in recent weeks in a variety of roles from wing-back to number eight. In the engine room, Lampard has used a variety of combinations in recent weeks. Fabian Delft is another who has impressed in a battling midfield role, although he was ruled out last weekend through injury. Andre Gomez came into the side against Brentford to perform a steady deep midfield role and allow Abdoulaye Ducour to push forward, while Alain is another candidate for the holding role, although he can sometimes lack mobility when exposed. Going forward, Everton have serious options, to the extent that Demarai Gray, Everton's match winner in the reverse fixture, might not start. Dominic Calvert-Lewin has returned from injury and, on his day, is one of the best target men in the league. That has allowed Richarlison to move from leading the line to playing out wide, although he continues to push into the box to get on the end of crosses. That leaves Anthony Gordon as Everton's most natural wide player. And, at times, particularly in the defeat to Liverpool, he has almost been a one-man attack, constantly roaring forward on the break and drawing fouls. He's also a good set-piece taker. Salomon Rondon is usually Lampard's plan B, but is suspended after a late lunge in the defeat to Brentford. Signing off. Everton have lost their final league game in four of the last five seasons, drawing the other and have conceded at least three goals in each defeat. It's the third time that Arsenal and Everton have met on the final day, 
We won 4-3 in 2001-02 and 3-1 in 2016-17. Arsenal Women News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. A season of progress. Since our last matchday programme, Arsenal women have concluded their Women's Super League season. On a roller coaster afternoon when, for a period, the Gunners were winning the league as Chelsea trailed Manchester United, Jonas Eideval's team eventually finished second in the league, following a 2-0 win over West Ham, just a single point behind the West Londoners. Stina Blackstenius and Steph Catley scored the Gunners' goals in the second half. It was a fantastic first season for Idaval's side, who also reached the quarter-finals of the Women's Champions League, and the head coach's focus is firmly on how his team can improve even further next season. The objective is the same for next season. It's to improve, it's to develop, it's to push for trophies, and that work is obviously always ongoing, said the Swede. I think in the end you want results as a football team, so that's one part. But I also think the way that you play and affect people, that's also something that is harder to measure, but you can feel it inside when you see the team play. I hope people will remember this team and these players, and will remember what they stood for for many years to come. I think we really have the foundations to do it. Steph and Noel sign new deals. We are delighted to announce that fullback Steph Catley and Noel Maritz have both signed new deals with the club. Australia international Steph joined us in 2020, making her debut from the bench in our Women's Champions League quarter-final against Paris Saint-Germain that August. The 28-year-old has since gone on to make 42 appearances for the club, scoring a magnificent free kick against HB Coge in the Champions League last November and at West Ham United on the final day of the Women's Super League season. It feels absolutely incredible, said Steph. I've been here two years now and I feel right at home. I've been through some tough times and some great times and I feel that I'm growing so much as a person and as a player. I'm just happy to call Arsenal home for another few years. Switzerland international Noel is our regular starter at right back. The 26-year-old has made 50 appearances for the club in all, scoring two goals. I'm really happy. It's amazing, said Noel. I think we have a really good group of girls and the staff is really good. I think everybody has the ambition to take it to the next level and the club is really pushing for it. Hopefully in the future we can make a big step in that direction. It's great to have you both on board for next season and beyond. Four Gunners in Provisional England Squad Lot Vuben Moy, Leah Williamson, Beth Mead and Nikita Paris are all in Serena Weichmann's provisional 28-player Lionesses squad for the Women's Euros this summer. Sadly, the most striking omission from the squad is Jordan Nobbs, who has suffered a calf strain that keeps her out of the international event this summer, although it shouldn't prevent her joining the Arsenal squad for pre-season. 
We know Jordan will be bitterly disappointed by not being able to represent her country, who she has served so outstandingly with 67 caps to her name. Congratulations to our quartet of England stars selected. Match action. Arsenal versus Leeds. Arsenal 2, Leeds 1. Arsenal scorers, Nakataya, 5th minute and 10th minute. Leeds, Lorente, 66th minute. Sunday, May 8th, 2022, Emirates Stadium. Timeline. 5th minute. Nakataya tackles Meslier to open the scoring. 10th minute. Nakataya doubles the lead from Martinelli's cross. 27th minute. Eiling is sent off for a lunge on Martinelli. 39th minute. Odegaard's free kick is cleared off the line. 66th minute. Lorente pulls one back late on, unmarked at the far post. Talking heads. Eddie Nikataya. Obviously, it was a good performance from us in the first half. We were really comfortable. We started really well. They're a good side. In the second half, they pushed us and they made it difficult. But the three points are the most important thing. And that's what we were able to get. Mikel Arteta I've experienced games like that before. I've experienced it where things can change very quickly, but the way we started was phenomenal. It was electric, really convincing. We were really going for it, no hesitation at all, and showing quality. We scored two goals, they then go to ten men. After that, you have to play a different game, because the game requires it. Facts Eddie Nekatiya becomes the second Arsenal player to score twice in the opening 10 minutes of a Premier League game after Carnu against Sunderland in October 2002. We've won four consecutive Premier League games while conceding at least once each time, for the first time since a run of five in February-March 2012. This makes it 12 games unbeaten versus Leeds, stretching back to May 2003. Match action. Premier League, Thursday, May 12th, 2022. 7.45pm. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Arsenal 0. Timeline. Odegaard forces a save as the Gunners make a positive start. 22. Kane scores from the spot after Cedric fouls Son. 33. Holding is sent off for a second bookable offence. 37. Kane scores at the far post from a corner. 47. Son sweeps in to make it 3-0. Talking heads. Aaron Ramsdale. It's obviously not what we came here for. We came here for three points. Personally, decisions went against us tonight. I've not seen replays. We're an honest bunch of lads. So when we see the replays, and if it is a penalty... And if it is a sending off, we'll be the first to admit it. But on first glance, I feel like the big decisions went against us. And then it's an uphill battle from there. Mikel Arteta We tried, and you see that we tried. The way they tried to play and the chances we still generated with ten men. But obviously it puts the situation and the game in an almost impossible position. Facts 
This match ended our four-game unbeaten run. Rob Holding received his first red card for Arsenal. This was the first time we had lost a May fixture under Mikel Arteta. Match action. Premier League, Monday, May 16th, 2022. 8pm, St James's Park. Newcastle United 2, White 45, own goal, Guimares 85, Arsenal 0. Stats, possession, NUFC 51%, AFC 49%. Total shots, NUFC 16, AFC 11. Shots on target, NUFC 4, AFC 2. Block shots, NUFC 5, AFC 5. Offsides, NUFC 6, AFC 1. Corners, NUFC 12, AFC 8. Tackles 1, NUFC 13, AFC 8. Yellow cards, NUFC 0, AFC 3. Red cards, NUFC 0, AFC 0. Timeline, 20. Saka shoots wide after a 1-2 with Odegaard. 55. White diverts Jill Linton's cross into his own net at the near post. 80. Ramsdale makes a good save to deny Jacob Murphy. 85. Guimaraes blasts home to make it 2-0. Talking heads. Bukeo Saka. Overall, there is huge disappointment and frustration. I just can't believe how we performed today. We lost all our duels. We lost all the second balls. We didn't play out well. Just overall disappointment in every aspect. I think it's going to hurt a lot of us tonight. Mikel Arteta We deserve to lose and we probably deserve to lose by a bigger margin with the way that we have performed and competed. Right from the beginning they were on top of everything and we didn't manage to get out of our own half. We put ourselves in trouble. We lost every duel. Every second ball. Facts This was only our second defeat to Newcastle in our past 19 Premier League meetings. We lose our final away game of the season for the second time in the past 12 seasons. We lost three of our four Monday fixtures this season, drawing the other. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts, red and white hoop socks. 1. Ben Leno, goalkeeper. 3. Kieran Tierney. 4. Ben White. 5. Thomas Partey. 6. Gabriel. 7. Bukayo Saka. 8. Martin Odegaard. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Emile Smith-Rowe. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Cedric Suarez 18. Takahiro Tomiyasu 19. Nicolas Pepe 20. Nuno Tavares 23. Albert Sambi Lokonga 25. Mohamed Elneny 30. Edian Kitia 32. Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper 33. Arthur Okonkwo, goalkeeper 34. Granit Xhaka 35. Gabriel Martinelli 
58. Mika Bierth. 61. Mazida Gongbo. 65. Salah Adin Ulad Amhand. 69. Zank Swanson. 75. Zach Arway. 78. Marcello Flores. 82. Omari Hutchinson. 87. Charlie Patino. For Everton, head coach Frank Lampard. Blue shirt, shorts and socks. 1. Jordan Pickford, goalkeeper. 2. John Joe Cunney. 3. Nathan Patterson. 4. Mason Holgate. 5. Michael Keane. 6. Allen. 7. Richarlison. 8. Fabian Delph. 9. Dominic Calvert-Lewin. 11. Demeril Gray. 13. Yerimini. 14. Andros Townsend. 15. Asmir Begovic, goalkeeper. 16. Abdule Dukor. 17. Alexey Wobi. 19. Vitali Mikolenko. 20. Cheng Tosin. 21. Andre Gomez. 22. Ben Godfrey. 23. Seamus Coleman. 24. Anthony Gordon. 26. Tom Davis. 30. Donny van der Beek. 31. Andy Lonigan, goalkeeper. 32. Jared Branthwaite. 33. Salomon Rondon. 34. Anwar El Ghazi. 36. Deli Ali. 60. Isaac Price. 61. Lewis Dobbin. 62. Tyler Onyango. 64. Reese Welsh. Also playing today, all matches kick off at 4pm. Chelsea vs Watford. Liverpool vs Wolverhampton Wanderers. Norwich City vs Tottenham Hotspur. Brentford vs Leeds United. Brighton and Hove Albion vs West Ham United. Crystal Palace vs Manchester United. Burnley vs Newcastle United. Manchester City vs Aston Villa. Leicester City vs Southampton. The Arsenal Foundation. Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. No room for racism. Emirates Arsenal official partner Travel with peace of mind Fly better There's no hiding our smiles Even with our masks on Some things may have changed But our warm welcome is still the same Fly with us to your next destination With peace of mind Knowing our highly trained cabin crew Are there to look after your comfort And safety all the way Fly safer with Emirates. Akagera National Park, Rwanda. Your safari awaits. Visit Rwanda, official tourism partner of Arsenal Football Club. Plan your journey at www.visitrwanda.com. Instagram and Twitter at visitrwanda underscore now. It's time to step up your cyber protection. Get hashtag cyberfit with Acronis. 
Acronis, official partner of Arsenal.